If you were able to walk into a room confident that you would be well-received, seen, heard, and appreciated by others, and all it took was a few changes in how you navigate your everyday relationships, would you be willing to make those changes? It is possible to be both fully authentic and to experience the best relationships of your life. Now, here's the host of Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert, Mickey Gaffin-Stone. Good morning, everyone. Today, we are going for a very different topic, emotional eating. Now, that is, in fact, a complicated relationship. It's a complicated relationship with food, right? But there are so many layers to this one. It's going to take a minute to unpack. But this is a learned behavior. And by the end of our time together today, you are going to know three important things, where it comes from, why it's there and how it's supported, and what you can do about it. So this information is a life changer for so many people. Emotional eating can be a tricky thing to navigate. How do you change a habit based on deeply rooted responses? And I assure you, these are deeply rooted. Do you find yourself eating when you're stressed or angry? Does boredom have you running for the popcorn? Perhaps a memory of a loved one who's passed on will head you straight to Ben and Jerry's for an ice cream binge. You might be aware of the tendency to eat certain things at certain times or when buttons are pushed. You know, I'm really stressed. I'm going to go eat a bag of chips, for example. So what can you do? Can you control this? Well, you came to the right place, my friend. Today, we're going to explore why those cravings happen, and I'm going to share some tools for overcoming that seemingly endless cycle of emotional eating. Now, if you've listened to me before, you might be wondering what she got to do with food. Like, why are we now talking food? So here's the deal. I am known as a human behavior expert, and how we eat, the patterns we choose, are human behaviors, but I combine those skills with other knowledge that I've gained along the way. So did you know that I'm also a level two certified precision nutrition coach, for example? That's master coach level. I'm also certified with the American Council on Exercise and have been for a long time on um, health coach and medical exercise specialist. They're two different certifications. And I've studied functional nutrition at master's level. So I assure you, I've done work. I've done the work. I've done the work. And I'm going to bring all of that together today to explore how you can take control, how you can develop a healthy relationship with food and nutrition and behavior change science combine beautifully to help you understand the patterns that no longer serve you. So are you ready to be in charge of your food? and the other areas of your life too. Come and play in the chat room, join the ICN app, and you can find me on over 450 platforms. So if you don't like the one you're on, go try another one. If you like the one you're on, go try another one later. They're all fun to try. So let's let's jump in at this point. I am Mickey Gaffinstone, and I'm here to help you overcome emotional eating. First of all, let's identify it. Why do we do it? Well, as I will often say, you know, there there are many behaviors learned in childhood because this is our most impressionable time. It's when you're a sponge, 
You literally absorb everything from the environment. You're learning from people around you and you learn unconscious patterns. So this will be familiar to everybody, I would say. You are running in the playground, little kid. You fall over, scrape your knee and your parent says, don't cry. Here, have a cookie. Or you get upset about something. Oh, that's too bad. Here, have an ice cream. You know, there's always a food to eat down your feelings, right? Especially when you're a little child. Your parents don't want to see you cry. They don't want you to be unhappy. And they don't know, because they didn't learn, they don't know how to help you sit with that for a minute, be with it, and, you know, be okay that you feel that way. So we do the food thing. Another way food can be used is, have you ever noticed, like if you go to a place like Disney, for example, and kids are tantruming, they're running around and, you know, they're, they're doing all the behaviors because there's so much stimulus going on, right? And what do the parents do? You can have an ice cream, but you have to sit down to eat it, right? Huh, okay. Later in life, chances are, if you go to sit down somewhere, you're going to want an ice cream because there's a subconscious connection somewhere. Or you're going to do this with your own kids. Oh, I really need them to be quiet. Here, have an ice cream. Right? We set up these links with foods that don't need to be there, but they serve a function at the time. Right? It's just not a function that's helpful later in life. So later in life, whatever associations you have with food when you were little, usually it's comfort, right? Mom gave me this when I felt miserable. I got that to celebrate something. I got this because it was a special occasion. You know, there are cultures who use food as a celebration. Now, many cultures, actually, there's nothing wrong per se. It's just that it adds to everything else that you're learning as a child and can become a pattern. Oh, I need to eat. It means it's a celebration. I'm not feeling good to feel better. I need to eat because that's a celebration, right? There's a lot of stories here. And some places can take the whole ah, disordered eating and emotional eating to a whole new level. Now, I lived in Singapore for a while. I was there for four years. And there is a systemic problem in Singapore. They have amazing food. They have wonderful cooking, like some of the best Chinese food I think I've ever had in my life was in Singapore. And they have fresh ingredients. Absolutely amazing. But they also have a dysfunctional relationship with size and how big you can be and be okay. So you will see a very slim woman walking into a fat loss center and that they have things like herbal wraps that they, they will iron your fat. I kid you not, they will iron your fat. They will give you pills to take after you've eaten food. I imagine they have laxatives in, I didn't really investigate it too closely, but there, there are so many things that you can do instead of eating food or because you've eaten, there's like this punishment thing you need to do. And we are talking small, small people like, you know, you'd be a size zero in, in the US. And, and this is a pervasive problem. So what food gets eaten is affected by this and what it means. What do we mean by our food? So 
what's your definition? What's your pattern of eating? Because you, you will have a number of them running. And there's memories with each one. When you smell a certain dish, what does that remind you of? Who does it remind you of? Is it something you want more of? Often, yes. So the social media these days, too, has a huge influence on people's emotional eating. Wow. I mean, back in the day, you know, centuries ago, it used to be magazines that would do it to you. They'd start off at the beginning of the magazine with, you are lovely as you are. And then they would be, how to lose weight. And then there would be a cake recipe, right? like how to mess with your head 101. So this, this is the kind of culture that we grew up in. And now younglings today have social media, right? And there's filters. And now with AI, boy, what are we going to know we're even looking at? How, you know, how can you tell when somebody actually looks the way they look? And is that the priority? Well, we're told it is. So emotional eating becomes not only a problem in and of itself, because you're eating to stuff emotions down and it doesn't work, you know, quick tip, it doesn't work. And we'll, we'll assess that later. So hang on for that one. But sometimes the emotional eating becomes also a punishment, right? I don't deserve to look this way or feel this way, so I'm going to eat. Like, there's a lot of complexity here. Um, a story that I'd like to share with you right now is a, a woman I worked with who had emotional eating issues that she was aware of. And one of them was for a month or so before um, her, the anniversary of her father's passing, she would start to get very anxious and, you know, really thinking about him. And she would crave the kind of food that he, she associated with him. And this would be donuts. And um, I think they used to drink Gatorade a lot. And, you know, they, they had a number of sort of high sugar, high fat foods that she related to him. So she'd think of him and reach for a donut. You know, she'd think of him and she'd eat for a big bag of, reach for a big bag of chips or something like that. And this was, this was a huge problem for her. So we did a little work on identifying what that felt like as, as the craving was starting to come up and then did some redirection. So she had a soccer ball that her dad had given her and she still had it in the plastic. And I got her to take that out and just hold it and move it and talk with a boyfriend about her dad. And they would pass the ball to and from. And in this way, she could really process what was coming up about her father and not eat, right? Her hands are busy. Her mouth is busy because she's talking and her mind is busy because she's thinking of her dad. We did this for a while, two months, one month either side of that anniversary. And she overcame it without diving into the emotional eating. Now, the upshot of my work with her was in three months, she'd lost, I think it was 35 pounds without going on a diet. It was, it was simply not jumping into the things that weren't helping her. Can you imagine? Is that wild? So food means so many things. Is your worth tied to your food, for example? And I will put money on it 
that most people here grew up in the clean plate household, right? There are starving children in whatever country you care to name. And, and yet whenever you wanted to send your peas to them, that was a problem and you'd get into trouble, right? I mean, that's how it went in my household. Why can't they have my peas if it's a problem? But as a child, you end up realizing that, okay, in order to get through this mealtime, I'm going to have to eat those peas. Nobody's going to mail them. And, and so you get this clean plate syndrome. Later in life, do you, are you okay with leaving food on the, on the plate? An awful lot of people really aren't. It, it physically bothers them. You know, it's, it's like, well, there's just a little, I'll just finish it, right? And it's stressful. So then you, you sort of chide yourself for taking too much food. Well, again, that's not a problem if you can leave some on the plate, right? There's, there's such a thing as leftovers in the fridge, for example, but it's just become this thing where it's a learned behavior. Moms show food with love and, and they want you to eat it all because then they know that you're going to grow and be healthy and all these other stories. And so you end up with this eating pattern of, yeah, I'm going to have to clean my plate unless you're fortunate enough to have a dog hiding under the table and you're savvy enough to be able to slip the food down. Got to tell you, most dogs don't like peas, though, or if they do, you can tell later on and I'm not going to go into how. So <laughs> we have a break coming up shortly, but I want to forecast what we're going to talk about later, because did you know, and this is something I think will surprise a lot of people, there's not one type of hunger. There's not even two. There's six. Did you know there are six types of hunger and they're all real? So we're going to explore those. And there's something else I'd like you to think about. The food industry, and I'm definitely getting into this later, the food industry have 257 names for sugar. Now, if sugar's not a problem, why do they need 257 names to hide it from you? So in any given food, you can have half a dozen different names for sugar. Is that wild or what? You are eating way more sugar than you know. So stick with me. Come back after the break. In fact, don't go away for the break. It's only a quick one. Think about those things. And I will see you very shortly. What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, Tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert Mickey Gaffin-Stone will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Mickey Gaffin-Stone Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. 
eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email becomeahost at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Mickey Gaffin-Stone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to mickey at gaffinstone.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back. I'm so glad you're still here. And boy, that went so fast. There were things that I wanted to get in there and, and didn't, but we still have some time. So I'm Mickey Gaffin-Stone. I'm your host on Navigating Complicated Relationships. And today's topic is emotional eating, the many, many layers of it. You're here on the Inspired Choices Network, and thank you so much for coming today. Hang on, we are nowhere near done. We're getting into some juicy stuff now about six hungers. And I'll explain the importance of them as we go through, because there is a difference, a subtle difference. And we have lost some of the um, ability to listen to these voices of thirst and hunger. So I'm going to explain them to you and, and you'll have the tools by the end of this show. So hang in there. And if you haven't got your notepad yet, I'm always going to ask you to have a notepad because I think there's stuff worth taking notes on. So let's jump in. Number one, nutritional hunger. Now, this is the only genuine type of hunger. And it means your body is asking for specific nutrients. Now, it needs certain things to build the elements of your body that are under repair, right? Which is all of you all the time and different things are needed. So, for example, when you go to, oh, a certain fast food chain and you have a certain large uh, McDonald's burger. No, that didn't work. Anyway, you have a big burger right? You eat this, you eat the fries, you have the drink, and that's lots of calories, right? So you would think, oh, I've got to be full. I've had all these calories. It's like a day's worth of calories. Well, yes, but no, because you've had the calorie content. Sure, you can do that, but it was nutritionally pretty much void. So your body is receiving this food and saying, well, yeah, you know, it's kind of looking for the good stuff. Um, I've got the calories, where's the nutrients? So the body says, hey, I'm still hungry. So people who eat a lot, a lot of fast food, they're not being greedy. They're not being piggy in, in what they're eating. They're eating according to their body's hunger. But it's not hunger for calories. It's hunger for nutrition. And you're not getting it eating the fast food. And when you've got bread involved in there, Got to tell you, bread, particularly in the U.S., that that is a food product. It is not a food. The vitamins and minerals that are naturally in the wheat flour, for example, get taken out and they're replaced by chemical facsimiles. Why? You, You know, you would think that was a lot of work to do that. Sure. But the natural stuff has a very short shelf life. It starts to break down because it's natural. The chemical facsimiles of these vitamins can last like on the shelf alongside the Twinkies. You know, look at those things. Pick pick a package up sometime and look at the expiration date. It's years in advance. No natural food is going to last that long. So your nutritional hunger is likely to tell you you're hungry again, even though you've had a big meal, 
because your big meal was empty, nutritionally empty. Okay, I hope you've made some notes on that. Number two is thirst. Now, thirst can disguise itself as hunger because we're not really used to listening to our bodies very well. And also, you know, if you move back in evolution, once upon a time, you would get a fair amount of your water from your food, right? Water supplies might be sporadic, for example. So it's, it's not unnatural to think that you're hungry when actually you just need water. So, and I mean water, I don't mean sugary drinks. So if you're starting to feel hungry and, you know, you, you're curious about that, have a drink of water, not because it will fill you up, but because it's, if you're thirsty, then that will do it. The, the feeling to eat will go away, right? So that's a pretty easy one for you to do, but it's so important. So many people are chronically dehydrated and your kidneys are suffering. And if you're eating a high sugar diet, your kidneys are suffering. You're giving yourself a really hard time here. Just with these first two hungers, mistaking them, those alone cause a lot of health problems. So drink water first. And then if you're still hungry, good, you're hungry, you know. But let's have a look at what other hungers there might be, because remember, we still have four more. So hunger number three is variety. That is a type of hunger. If you are not eating a variety of foods, your body is going to go back to saying, yeah, that's great, but hey, I still need this. Eat more. Because, you know, it's not sophisticated enough to say, go get blueberries. It's just going to tell you, yeah, we're still lacking, eat more, right? So variety is a natural way to get different nutrients in your diet. And you might simply need something different. That's, that could be all it is. Are you eating the same foods over and over again? If you are, have a look at bringing in some variety into your food because you can head this hunger off simply by putting the variety in there. So people say eat the rainbow or, you know, go for all these different colored foods and what have you. They're right. They just don't tell you why they're right. And part of the reason is you need to give your body all these different nutrients. Failing to do so is just going to revert straight back to, oh, I'm hungry. I need a donut. Right. Which leads very nicely to number four, low blood sugar hunger. It's actually not a, a real hunger. It's mistaken for hunger. And the best fix you can have for this is by avoiding low quality sugars in the first place. So, for example, fruit. Don't let anybody tell you not to eat fruit. I hear this from time to time and I just don't, you know, blows my mind. Fruit juice is a problem because you've taken the fiber out of it. You've taken the substance out of it that slows down the digestion. If you drink the fruit juice, it goes straight into, you know, those blood work results you get and triglycerides are one of the things on there. That's not actually a cholesterol. That is tri three glycerides sugars. It's a sugar that's stored because you've just got too much going on and it gets stored in the fat. So that's a big part of fruit juice. So don't drink fruit juice. Eat the fruit. 
It takes longer to digest. Your blood sugar won't raise as much and you're getting the sweet thing that you're craving. Right. So that is a key part, because this is also where emotional hunger comes in. We get hooked on those low quality sugars. They hit the reward center in the brain. You get the whole, yeah, this feels good. This is nice. Mm -mm. And then you get the crash. And what do you want to do when you have the crash, but have more? It's literally the other white powder. Sugar is the other white powder. And that's why there are 257 names hiding it from you so that you don't necessarily know you're having this. That's, that's so important for you to know. So really read your labels. Make sure that you understand that. There is on my Facebook page, I put a post with the 250 odd names of sugar on there. So I'll repost that later today so that you can go find it. Mickey Gaffinstone on Facebook, you'll find me easily. So ha go have a look for that. And if you can get a downloaded or something and then take that when you go to the grocery store. Do you know, I even found my husband and I were shopping for food for the dogs and we were looking for chicken jerky, just dried chicken. And we found this one look good. You know, nice big package. Pieces look good. And then we looked on the back. And can you imagine they had sugar in it? Now, there is no need to give dogs sugar. None at all. But just like anybody with taste buds, it's, it's going to trigger them to want more of the snack and they'll plague you for more of the chicken jerky. Now, if that's not cynical, I don't know what is cynical on the part of the food industry. Right. So that's that hunger. And number five, and I would say the most common and dangerous form of dysfunctional eating is the eating memories, the emotional hunger. This one is where, you know, sometimes you can fill emptiness in your life with food, fill emptiness in your perception of self. You know, if your self-esteem is low, then maybe you're likely to eat more food. And here's the thing, people often mistake, just like with um, motivation, where you think you have to be motivated in order to do things. And I've said in a previous episode, you need to start doing things and be successful at them. And then motivation kicks in so that you get more of that dopamine hit from the success. In the case of self-esteem and emotional eating, it's not that you get control of the emotional eating and then your self-esteem improves. No, that's very conditional. And that's very judgmental and therefore doomed to failure, right? The key is to getting your self-esteem in order first, and then you will want to eat better. You will want to fix those links with food and you'll be able to work through it. I have a system for that. I'm going to be able to tell you that, about that shortly. But I have, I have to speak about the food industry. Like everybody that knows me knows this is coming, right? <laughs> So the food industry don't care about you. They truly don't. They are here to sell food products to you, food-like products to you. If it's in a packet or a box, it's not food. It is something that has been created in a laboratory that you can eat and it won't kill you right away, but it's not optimal for your health. So the food industry is just here to make money. They throw all kinds of chemicals in there flavor enhancers, all sorts of things, so that you're going to want to eat more of that food product 
and they don't care what it's actually doing to you. They, they truly, truly don't. So think of a bag of those bright orange snacks. I'm trying to be really good about the brand names here. You know, those little slightly rounded ones and you pop it in your mouth and, you know, bright, bright orange. You pop it in your mouth and it melts. It's this tiny little bit of highly flavored goop. And you have a big packet and you're watching a movie on TV or something. You get through this whole big packet, but it's formed this solid little glob of corn and garbage in your stomach. And you're going to be hungry again. But how many calories did you just eat? And what are those chemicals? What's your body supposed to do with it? I assure you from the studies that I've done, your poor body has no idea what to do with it. It doesn't recognize it. The liver gets seriously overworked by these chemicals and it, it stores a lot of them in the liver because it doesn't know what else to do with them. It can only metabolize so far. So you're causing yourself all kinds of problems with these chemicals. So when I say it won't kill you right away, I'm not kidding because the next thing is big pharma. The pharmaceutical industry comes along and they create medications to keep you in your ill health. They're not curing you. They're maintaining you. So you can keep going with that lifestyle. Now, I want you to think about that while we go to the next break. This is Mickey Gaffin Stone. I'm being controversial here on Navigating Complicated Relationships on Inspired Choices Network. And you can find me on social media. Just look up my name. I'm the only one out there. And I will see you after the break. What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert Mickey Gaffin-Stone will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Mickey Gaffin-Stone Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows, along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Mickey Gaffin-Stone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also send an email to Mickey at GaffinStone.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Mickey Gaffin-Stone, and I'm your host on a very controversial show today. At least some people tell me it is. And I'm on Navigating Complicated Relationships on Inspired Choices Network. Thank you for hanging in here with me and making lots of notes, right? You're making lots of notes. So before the break, we were talking about the different types of hunger and how thirst can disguise itself as hunger. So first thing to do is have a drink of water, 
hang on about 10 minutes. Are you still hungry? Maybe, in which case, eat. If not, you were thirsty. Have another glass of water. Chances are you need another one. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you're not eating a variety of foods, then your body is going to still be lacking in those nutrients that are essential. And it's going to tell you to go get more food. So that's why people overeat on calories, because they're under eating on nutrition. And low blood sugar can be mistaken for a real hunger, but it isn't. <clears throat> Excuse me again. It is the need for getting back up to that sugar high that you just had. And the more you do that roller coaster of sugar high, sugar low, the more insulin resistance you build. Your poor insulin is trying to get the sugar into the cells. And when you're bombarding it with too much and it's low quality sugar, so it doesn't have the other elements it needs, it's very difficult for the body to handle it. And you start ending up with insulin resistance leading toward diabetes. The other thing it does is leads to inflammation. Now in the US, the, the figures are shocking in the US, but it's upwards of 85% of the population have chronic systemic inflammation. Now, if you don't know if you have this, there's a blood test you can ask your doctor for, and it's called C-reactive protein. Letter C, reactive protein. You get this one result, and it will tell you what your inflammation is like. You need to be as close to zero as possible. Anything over three, you have a lot of work to do to get that inflammation down, because inflammation is the thing that leads to chronic diseases such as uh, stroke, heart failure, you know, all the things that are the big killers of people. Funnily enough, that's where they come from. And sugar is known to feed cancer, for example. So the foods that you eat need to be a really high quality so that you're not doing this to yourself. You're not feeding the cancer. This is something that's known, but it doesn't tend to get publicized because, you know, the sugar companies have a very powerful lobby. So there you go. That's a little bit more controversy for you. <clears throat> While we're here, I'd like to point out that the diet industry, and I'm talking the diet industry that say, eat these foods, don't eat any of those, buy this special food. A key is when they have special food for you to buy, you've got to question this because they're manufacturing something and they're selling it to you for a big chunk of money. Now, diets are generally speaking, no, in fact, all of them, they're not designed for success. You don't fall off a diet. You don't fail at a diet. You're doing exactly what they're set up to do. You go on a diet, you may lose some weight for a while. And then when you're sort of further away from that pain point that you started at, it becomes less pulling for you. It's less important and some other foods sneak in because what they're giving you in that diet doesn't fulfill the variety or the nutrition that you require. Plus, it's adding chemicals and your body's struggling with that. So diets of that nature, they're not set up to work. It's not you, it's them. So all of this is what the emotional eater is having to deal with. Right. It is navigating a minefield out there. That's what we're asking you to do. So we're sold by the industries. Right. Like you're told you need to eat meat every day. You need protein at every meal. Um, think about that. 
our ancestors, could they get protein at every meal? Or might they get it once a month? Might they get it once a week? You know, that's not really balanced food. Another thing I'd like you to think about is, you know, those recommended dietary allowances on the labels. You usually says 2,000 calories and these are the percentages of the vitamins and minerals and so on. Well, that is an average and averages don't exist. They are a point on a graph and they're not real. So here's the thing. Nobody's going to eat like that every single day. It, it doesn't work that way. Your body doesn't work that way. It's not such a, a short term prospect, right? So if you have lots of vitamin C today and you don't have any tomorrow, you are not getting scurvy the next day. You know, that's not how it goes. So we're sold all these kind of ideas about, well, if you're not meeting your daily allowance, you need to take these extra supplements, right? You need to buy this, buy that. And, and we're just buying things to fill in the gaps that the food industry gives. It's crazy. But we're sold this as being, this is good for you. This is what you need to do. I have to tell you, they're lying to you. It's absolutely untrue. Now, we also have sugar alternatives. <laughs> you're not going to love it. You're not going to love it, particularly if you're into sugar alternatives. Sugar alcohols are very popular. And erythritol is one that we see very often. I'll say it slowly so you can write it down and check for it on the labels. Erythritol. And this one is probably the most benign of them, but it's created through an industrial process. And they use cornstarch to create a sugar substrate that is then sprayed with a yeast or a fungus that digests the sugar and produces erythritol. Did I just make you go, ew? <laughs> I probably did, but seriously, this is what you were buying. This is what's in your food. So instead of that, this is not all miserable, right? I am going to give you the what to do's and the instead of's. So <laughs> sorry for anybody whose stomach just turned, but it gets worse. And I can do several episodes just on sugar. If, it, if anybody wants that, just let me know. Hit me up. I'm good for it. Um, so instead of erythritol and the other substitutes, maple syrup is good. It's coconut sugar. These are created by tapping the tree, the coconut palm or the maple tree, boiled down and concentrated. So the granulated sweetener contains some minerals, some iron, zinc, calcium and potassium. And it has some short chain fatty acids, which is good, and antioxidants. So this is something that, OK, it's you can still have this. This is good. It's got fiber called inulin in it, which can slow down glucose absorption and create a lower glycemic index. So maple syrup, yes. Maple sugar, yes. Coconut sugar, yes. The, these ones are fine. But remember, they are still sugar. So don't go wild on them. But yes, you can have your sweeteners. That's, that's very cool. So we're going to get to what to do about this. And someone in the chat just asked me about corn syrup. Um, for the love of all things holy, please don't have corn syrup. That stuff is not, not good. Um, in fact, avoid corn if you can, generally speaking, because the, the um, giants, yeah, I'm gonna name them. Monsanto have 
cornered the market literally in corn. Everybody uses their genetically modified corn, at least in the US. And this stuff, it's now grown with, they've done so much crossbreeding and genetic splicing and so on, that when you look at a cornfield now, instead of being that tall cornfield that gets knocked down when it rains or there's heavy winds, it's a sturdy little plant that stays up. And you know what else it does? When insects bite on the corn cobs, they die. There is an insecticide that's bred into the corn from here. Can you imagine? So that corn syrup is turned into, it, it's your corn foods, it's, it's corn bread, it's corn syrup, high fructose corn syrup, like avoid corn. Seriously, that stuff is just, if, if you do want to avoid anything, avoid corn, that stuff is nasty. And if you want to look this up, the research is out there. I assure you, I'm not saying anything that's not been tested and proven. So yeah, the corn cobs actually have natural, well, natural, they have inbred insecticides in them. It's pretty awful. So let's get on to something positive here and have what to do. How can you deal with the emotional eating? Corn, I'm afraid you're just going to have to kind of read a bit more about it and get over it. But because unfortunately, that's what's happened in the US now. And anybody that tries to do differently, Monsanto sues the pants off them and they inevitably win because they have the big powerful lawyers. So there you go, throwing it all out there today. So what to do? Have a journal that is specifically for this task and it's your food dialogue. Whenever you go to eat a food, there's, there's some kind of conversation going on in your head. Oh, you deserve that donut. You've had a tough day. You know, one is, a yeah, that's good. That's your favorite. Go get that one. You deserve that thing. That would be your food devil. Okay, that's what we're going to name that one. And it's the, the little voice in your head that says, go on, you deserve it. Or man, that was annoying. Go eat some chocolate. You'll feel better. It's, it's the voice that brings up all those connections that you learned in childhood, all those connections that you've added since that put emotions and food together. That's the food devil. On your other shoulder, you have the food angel. Now, the food angel is usually a pretty quiet guy in the beginning. You might not even hear anything, or there might be a, a little, eh, maybe you shouldn't, to get shouted down pretty quickly, right? But these two voices, are what I'd like you to play with. I want you to listen for these and pay attention because the first thing you're going to do is write down in your food journal, and, and I'm not asking you to write out everything you eat, okay? Let's just get rid of that one. Um, but I want you to write down the process. So what's the conversation? Why are you being told or you're telling yourself in your head that you want this food? Is it that you're hungry? Is it that you deserve it? Is it that you feel so terrible about yourself, you're going to go eat chocolate at yourself? Like, what, what is the story? Write that down. So I'm going to take you to a break in a minute or two, but I'd like you to set up your food journal and have lots of space in it. You're just going to use this. I keep calling it a food journal, but it's really a food dialogue journal. What I'm not going to ask you to do is that thing that everybody hates of write down everything you've eaten and everything you've drunk. 
Um, I've used that over the years with different clients and I have found people either lie, which makes them feel badly, or they forget to fill them in, or they just, you know, they'll do it for a day and then hate you, but they're not going to do it. So I'm not asking you for this. All right. Don't worry. You're going to like this one because it's interesting. It shows you patterns. Okay. So hang on for that. Don't go away anywhere. We are getting to the good stuff about what you can do about all of this. So I'm Mickey Gaffin Stone, and I'm sending you off to your break now. Don't go away anywhere, though. Just get your pens and pencils lined up or your notepad, whatever it is. See you in a minute. What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert Mickey Gaffin Stone will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Mickey Gaffin Stone Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Mickey Gaffin Stone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also send an email to Mickey at GaffinStone.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. This is Mickey Gaffin Stone on Navigating Complicated Relationships. And today's complicated relationship is emotional eating. And it's also the complicated relationship we have with the food industry, the pharmaceutical industry and the diet industry, because that triad is making you sick and keeping you there. Now, before we jump back into the food dialogue, next week's show is all about whose responsibility is it? It's kind of connected, but you'll see. Just come in for next week's show. It's, uh, I, I think all my shows are good. So yeah, just keep coming back. Okay, so back to the dialogue. Food journals are tough. So I'm not asking you to do a food journal. Remember that. But we have some guidelines for this. Okay, so your dialogue might look like the things I suggested before break of, oh, you deserve this or, oh, you did so badly today. You're stressed to go eat this thing, you know, and funny thing, but it's never celery, right? <laughs> your food devil never tells you to eat celery. At least if it does, please let me know because I've not come across this. So in your food dialogue journal, identify if you can. Which of the six hungers that we went through are you feeling? And the thirst is pretty easy to test. You can just have a glass of water and see. And what food is it specifically that you are craving right now? Exactly what food is it? And then I would like you to write down why that food. What is the story that you're hearing? What is, and, and you may take a minute or two to tune into this because you're not used to listening. Honestly, you don't listen to yourself. You just go eat the food. So the next question after why that food is just stop for a moment and check in. What emotions are you feeling right now? Are you angry? Are you anxious? Are you sad? Are you tired? Stressed? You know, these are usually things that come up. Can you recognize this as a sugar crash, for example? Is it a pattern that 
oh, I have to eat this at this time, otherwise I feel miserable? Like, do you have a story that you tell around this? And the next question for you in this journal is, do you believe that that food will help you change your emotional state? That's a really interesting question. And I would love for you to spend some time on that. So let me repeat it. Do you believe that food will help you change your emotional state? Now, emotional states, are that's not a goal. It's how you feel right now. It's all to do with your mind producing the feelings in your body. So can that food change your emotional state? If so, why? What are your food devil's arguments about that food? What are you being told you should be eating it for, or you can eat it for, or you deserve it? Or, you know, what is that story? And then if your food angel is talking to you at all, <clears throat> might not be, honestly, may have been squashed for so long that the angel's not talking to you anymore. But if you can get that conversation going, what are those arguments about the food? And what do each of those say about not having the food? Is the food devil's likely to go pretty quiet at this point, right? What do you mean not having the food? And, you know, th th this is such an interesting process to do. I promise you it's going to be really interesting if you go full in and you really answer all these questions for yourself. And here's the glorious part is you don't have to show this to anyone. It's nobody's business. I don't need to know what it is. Nobody needs to know what it is. This is your information for you. That's all. So if you decide to have that food, how do you feel about your decision? Again, no judgment. This is all exploratory. This is all just interesting information. So how do you feel about that? And then if you do have the food, I hope you've got lots of paper. If you do have the food, how was the first bite? Was it as good as you thought it would be? How was the second bite? The fifth? When it's half gone, assuming you've still got half left, what's the last bite? Did you find that you started the food and then forgot about it while you finished it? Especially if you're watching television, right? That happens a lot. Some mindless eating quite literally happens. Try not to do that in this case. Try to pay attention to it because we want to know, or you want to know, how is that food? Is it as good as you thought it would be all the way through? Or, or does it lose interest? Good to know. 20 minutes later, how do you feel? An hour later? Four hours later? Even the next day, did it have any effect on your body? Did it have any effect on your emotions? Did eating your emotions work? I could tell you what I think about that, but I, I gather that you'd know. And then how do you feel about that food now, given all the information that we've gone through today? What, what does that say to you now? Next time you look at a, a bottle of corn syrup, for example, what are you going to think about that now you've heard this information today? When you look at the labels on your food, if you can't pronounce it, there's a very good chance you shouldn't be eating it because food generally has words that we all recognize and food in the store is not labeled food like if you go to the produce section which is on the outside of the store it's the perimeter you don't see carrots food 
right? It just says carrots or broccoli or whatever it is. Then the food items, the things that have to be labeled as such, are in the center aisles. Look at the expiry dates on those things. Look at the ingredients. And I invite you to take that list of sugar names with you and see how many are crammed in there because you are being fed sugar without knowing it. And it's causing you health problems. It's causing you to be miserable. And I would love for you to find that and get rid of it. So there are ways to deal with this. And I am putting together a coaching program for a small group of people who would like to work through this systematically so that they can take control over their food, take control over their relationship with it and uncomplicate that thing so that you can just enjoy your life and know what you're doing with it. It's very, very simple. So if you're, it's simple, it's not easy, right? Let's not confuse those two things. The food industry makes sure it's not easy, but it is simple. So if you're interested in this, I would love for you to contact me. Facebook is fine on Messenger or send a comment on one of my posts. That's fine too. You can email me, mickey at gaffinstone.com or go visit my website. There's ways to contact me there as well, www.gaffinstone.com. I have lots of information to share with you and I'd love to get a group of you together and we can work through all these processes together. There's so much more to learn. So thank you for coming. This has been a lot of fun for me. Uh, I kind of like being controversial sometimes, you may have noticed. Um, but everything I say is backed by research. So I invite any questions in the chat. And if you have any trouble with your food dialogue, let me know. Come with your questions. There are no stupid questions. I'm genuinely, there aren't. So just bring them. I'm happy to answer them. I would love for you to be successful right now. That's not the aim of any of the industries I've talked about today. And if you put one thing down, it's corn. Don't have corn. You will be a lot healthier and a lot happier without it. That stuff is nasty. So that's been my presentation for you today. And I look forward to hearing from you. Hit me up with those questions. Hit me up with those comments. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for listening to the Navigating Complicated Relationship Show. Mickey returns Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Until then, remember every relationship is a journey. And with the right tools, you can create stronger, more fulfilling connections.